Memphis, 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 what up Grizz Nation and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. Today's edition, we will be recapping exactly what went on in game one, as well as previewing game two that is happening Tuesday. It's going to be on NBA TV. Why? We don't know. This is a game that everybody should be watching, but instead it's on NBA TV. We will be watching on Bally Sports because we're going to support our guys plus Pete and Brevin are much better than anybody they're going to throw at us. But today's are two people that are going to be better than you're going to hear anywhere else. Yeah, I'm talking about myself, but I'm also bringing in Ryan. What's up, man? Trying to yeah. fight a little cold or flu or whatever it is, but um, yeah, ready to uh, depressingly talk about game one. Yeah, that game one was something else. It was a game that I thought the Grizzlies would easily come back uh, after halftime. And they literally just never had it. And on today's episode, we're going to just talk through it in a sense. There's no outline. I've talked with Ryan before and I've said, I don't know what I'm going to say. And he said pretty much the same thing. So today is just going to be off the cuff. We're going to just break down what we thought, how the game went. We both watched the game. I think we probably have both watched it again and complete. Uh, But the Grizzlies lost 130 to 117. If you were listening on the last podcast right before we came out, Ryan pretty much just broke down that the Grizzlies would be down at half. Roughly, what'd you say, five to eight points? Yeah, probably something like that. And But I also thought they'd come back and win by five to eight points. <laughs> yeah. And they did not come through on that one as well. No, they, they never really had it. And a lot of people, you know, will discuss what is it. Well, it looks like, you know what it is when you see it. And we did not see it because the Grizzlies looked like they came out and wanted to make sure they they kept their, I guess, their energy level at a decent pace. They didn't want to get too crazy high because they didn't want to be overwhelmed by the moment. They didn't want to be uh, too energetic and make stupid plays. But at that point, honestly, like it looked like Minnesota came out and smacked them in the mouth from the very, very start. Not in a way that Patrick Beverly would have done. That would have got Jaw kind of energized. It actually looked like Patrick Beverly kind of stayed in himself a little bit, which allowed Jaw to kind of stay, you know, a little just bland. Jaw looked fine and Jaw played well, but they never really got to the point where it looked like they were Jimmy Butler and Trey Young going at each other. And I think that's really what the Grizzlies missed. They they missed a little bit of that toughness. But today, let's go ahead and get into it. The Grizzlies, they have a lot of questions to answer going into game two. There's going to be a lot of adjustments. I'm looking at one in particular. And Ryan, I don't know what you think about this. And I don't know how in the world the Grizzlies do it yet. I have some thoughts. But what are your thoughts so far on what the Grizzlies do with Steven Adams? Because, man, that was that looked a little weird. I don't think he's ready for this matchup. So what are they going to do? I hope that they drop his minutes. I mean, 24 minutes for him is actually 
kind of surprisingly high. Uh, I know that's kind of right in his average, but zero points, three rebounds. Um, that's not the uh, Stephen Adams that we're used to. And this just isn't really the series for him. He will be important in future series, obviously, if we get there. Uh, um, but he just, the way the Timberwolves play with five out, drive kick, drive kick, shoot a bunch of threes. I mean, the team shot 41 threes in game one um, and shot almost 40% from them. So that's basically the difference in your game right there, that and a couple offensive rebounds. But uh, timely threes were huge in this game for the Timberwolves, and they're hitting theirs. But here's the thing. This is why I'm still high on the Grizzlies winning this series. Um, obviously not to be biased, but um, the Grizzlies have options, right? Like they can make adjustments to stuff. They can start Kyle Anderson. They can play Zaire more than 10 minutes. Um, they can drop Steven Adams and be okay. The Timberwolves, I think this is the best that they're going to look all series. And especially with them hitting their threes. Now, D'Angelo Russell did not play well, so he's a big game changer as well. But Anthony Edwards, 36 points. Carly Anthony Towns, 29 points. I mean, Malik points, which I said in that game preview, he was the X factor. Um, and then Jaden McDaniels had 15. If things go bad for the Minnesota Timberwolves, they don't have – something that they can turn to. They don't have the option of adjustments, um, but the Grizzlies have the ability to make adjustments. So that's why I think it's interesting going into game two tomorrow is what Taylor Jenkins does. There's no way that he just rolls out the same thing. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that will change is the Steven Adams minutes. And I'll be surprised what they do with, I'll be interested to see if they change anything with DeAnthony Melton. Um, or if they try to go small with Kyle Anderson early or Zaire's going to get some more time. I'm not sh- exactly sure what that adjustment's going to look like, but I certainly think Steven Adams is the one that's going to get the ax early. Yeah. So, all right. I, I agree with that completely. I do believe that Steven Adams needs to have his minutes limited, but do you think that they should go ahead and start someone else instead of Steven Adams right right away in the first quarter, completely change it up, make him a backup big? Or do you think you go with him and keep him as a starter? I would actually keep starting him. Okay. What surprised me is that they start they started him on cat. Yeah. I thought for sure they would do like what the Clippers did with Zubach, which makes more sense. Um, and that's hide him on Jared Vanderbilt and put Triple J on Cat, because he does better. But as we can see, Triple J's old uh, old bad habits came back to light, and he got in foul trouble, and that's flipped the game. I mean, Jaden McDaniels came into the game to try to get intentional fouls on Triple J. So the Wolves know, and I think it's actually an omission that they're not as good of a team if you have to do trickery and getting guys into foul trouble so you can have a chance to win a game. To me, that's an omission that they know this, what inevitably is going to happen out of this series and that they're going to lose to the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies are a much better team. So if you have to employ a strategy like that, uh, I just think it's an omission that you know you're not good enough and you just happened to be hot from three, um, shooting almost 40% on 41 attempts. So, yeah, it, it, to be honest, the Grizzlies were in the game late. And if Ja kicks out on that one drive and we're down by like five or something like that, I mean, that was a big turnover, right? And yeah. he just forced. Um, 
like we're in that game and they're killing us from three. So to me, 13 is the margin that I would expect it to be. I'm kind of surprised with the way we played and the way the Timberwolves shot. They didn't beat us by 20 plus. So the fact that we were in it late and could have even stolen that game is a good sign without any of the adjustments. Now that we've lost the pressures on Taylor to make the adjustments. Yeah, just looking at the lineup, as we were talking about with Steven Adams, um, he came out at the 2 minute and 17 mark in the first quarter. The Grizzlies were down 37 to 30. I, I don't know if that really is much you need to go away from, but if it was me, I would probably maybe run him in shorter spurts. The only issue with that is you have a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. who actually he he's doing that more of in and out uh, quicker. I guess he's uh, he's subbing in and out more, uh, and he's done that. Um, I guess middle of the season they changed to that, and the reason is, and people miss this sometimes, but the reason he does that is because it keeps him as a young player who fouls a lot, it keeps him at bay within himself. He's only playing five to six minute spurts at a time, most of the time. And then he's going out and sometimes he'll go out and come back in within the same quarter. And the reason is, is because he fouls a lot and he gets lazy. And when he's in a game too much, he loses focus of what he's actually doing in the game. And he'll get those stupid fouls because he kind of lets the game get away from him. So with that being said, I don't know if that's what you change Steven Adams to because realistically, Steven Adams, he's not the biggest issue on the team, right? He's going to give you enough good minutes. I think it's how you deploy him. And like you just said, putting him out on Jared Vanderbilt would be a good start, uh, but also maybe limiting his minutes and giving him shorter spurts. So instead of giving him a 10-minute spurt in the very first quarter and only playing 14 minutes the rest of the game, Maybe you get to that 20, 22-minute mark by playing him in five- and six-minute spurts. That allows then you get someone like Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson more time because I think those two guys are very important in this this game completely because if you look at that, that, those two, Clark and Anderson, had 18 rebounds combined out of them. If you look at Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams, they had seven. They had 11 more rebounds more than your two guys who are two starting bigs. And offensive rebounding was the biggest key for, for Minnesota. The Grizzlies have never been rebounded out like they were. They were out-rebounded by 11, 46 to 35 in that game. And I think in the end, I think that's a – I guess that's a, a stat that people aren't seeing as much. But I think rebounding is huge. And when you lose Steven Adams – because he's not able to be deployed in the, in the best way possible for him and the team. I think that's why they were actually able to get those big rebounds uh, from Minnesota. To me, the series, like when I did the preview, the, the, this whole series to me is three-point shooting. Like it's what the Timberwolves do. And obviously, yes, offensive rebounding, that's the Grizzlies' MO. And that's how they get a lot of their second-chance points. They dominate in the paint. And Stephen Adams is a big part of that. If he's not in there doming in the paint, then that's something that we're forfeiting, which has been our calling card all year. Um, So if you're going to forfeit something like that, then you're kind of crossing your fingers and praying that you can be about even or maybe a little bit behind in the three-point battle. And I don't know if you just want to – 
See, I don't think Taylor Jenkins, that's why I don't think Steven Adams is going to go to the bench is because I don't think Taylor wants to give up that offensive rebounding edge that they're going to try to have. So uh, to me, it's all about three-pointers. I mean, the Grizzlies were seven for 27, (laughs) 25%. Yeah. Um, And I just keep coming back to this. They shot 16 more free throws than the Timberwolves. All right. Yeah. So they're getting in the paint. They're getting fouled, even though everyone would tell you that they weren't getting fouled. Um, but they're going to get the fouls. You just you just ran into a game where you went seven for twenty seven, and the Timberwolves went sixteen for forty one. Um, the zigzag theory on the Grizzlies winning game two, which I did last year after the Grizzlies won game one in Utah, that cashed big for me. If you remember, I'll be all over this zigzag theory on the Grizzlies minus six and a half in game two, for sure. Yeah. No, I was looking at that line when it came out, and I was like, man, if it could just get down to like the five or the four, I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. hammering that. Um, yeah, but someone I, give me a five and a half or a six, I'll be all over. <laughs> yeah, I like those numbers uh, to go down. And honestly, what I'll probably do with this game, because I know who uh, Minnesota is, I know they're going to go in a run. And I think you uh, used this example. I used it in our Grizzlied uh, Twitter account that Minnesota is much like a microwave. They can get super hot really fast, but they can also go cold even faster. So with that being said, they're going to go on some runs, but they're also going to go cold. So with that being said, uh, a lot of times when that number can get down to that point where I like it, um, and it probably will in this game at some point because of runs, I'm going to hammer that line at that point. But uh, two things I want to uh, run by you, and I know you saw them. Uh, I know you saw one of the two. Uh, the shot quality uh, index. Like, what do you make of that? So w- what we're talking about, and I tweeted this out with the Grizzlies, so go check it out. But it's uh, from shot quality. They pretty much give you how the game should have went, how the game should have played out uh, based on the quality of shots taken. The Timberwolves, they, they had a – 10% chance to win, and the Grizzlies had a 90% chance to win that game. The final score was 130 to 117, but the shot quality score, which means if the game should have went because you make the, the shots, you know, because they are good quality shots, or you make shots that you know you shouldn't have made, that's how all this gets figured out. But the game should have went 127 to 112. The Grizzlies did not hit any shots. And the Timberwolves hit shots they shouldn't have. And with that being said, that makes me feel better going into the future with this series. Because as you talked about, I'm not really too worried about the series so far. I do believe this is a must-win game in game two. But do you think and do you put in credit to this shot quality index? I'm not sure how they actually measure this. It's interesting to look at, but it actually, like, it makes sense if you look at what the Grizzlies do, right? It's everything in the paint, and then when they do kick out, it's typically to a pretty open shooter. So, to me, the way the Grizzlies play, it feels like, based on shot quality, that they would always be the favorite to win because their formula is they take the easiest shots in basketball, right? Like, they live in the paint. And then they, when they kick out, it's typically to a wide open person because that's the strategy of teams that they're playing against. Like they're trying to prevent them from getting through them. So they give up three pointers. So I'm not sure. I think it's fun to look at for the shot quality and it does help fans kind of like, oh, wait, but maybe this. 
Um, but the thing is, when you've got the wide open threes, you've got to make them. So shot quality or not, higher quality shots, great. But like we know with basketball, you got to make them, not just take them. Um, so it makes sense why this was actually a quote unquote shot quality upset. Uh, but if you watch the game, like the Grizzlies, I thought they were going to come back, but it didn't feel like they were really all the way in there. So even if they had better quality shots, it just didn't look like they were all the way focused for a Timberwolves team who was more ready to go and hitting their shots. Yeah, that, and I, exactly. I don't think they were ready to go. I don't think they had that that fire and don't uh, – no, I'm not going down that road again. But they didn't really have the fire when they came out that a lot of these other playoff teams had. When they came out, they were they were gung-ho, ready to go. If you said something, you know, you crossed them in any way, they were getting in your face, like that kind of style. And honestly, like the happy-go-lucky, you know, swag style the Grizzlies often play with, that that was there but it wasn't the aggressive style that they normally uh, play with. But going back to the shot quality thing, uh, the calculations, they base them over 90 different variables to, to quantify the quality of possessions. And the main four factors are shot making, shot selection, offensive rebound probability, and defender closeout. So a lot of that is Timberwolves were, were making shots that they normally don't make because maybe the defender closed out well and they still just made it right in their face. Uh, offensive rebounding, which was an issue with the Grizzlies just in general, because they were not able to rebound like they normally have. Like there was a lot of possessions where the Timberwolves were easily grabbing two offensive rebounds and one possession and then burying a three. It was just, it was that kind of a game. And I don't, I don't think it continues to play out like that, but uh, I have another fun one. I'm going to ask you, I wonder if uh, the people at home know this, but I saw this come out uh, after the game. Can you name the top five NBA, like, all-time average leaders in the playoffs? Like, the players that average the most points in the playoffs right now. I feel like I just saw this, and it's a bunch of young guys because it was, like, their second game or something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's like MJ, Ja, uh, Anthony Edwards, because he's only played one game in the playoffs. Right. Um, Jordan Poole, I think, was yep. one. Jordan Poole. And I can't remember who the fifth was. I know Luka it's Doncic. MJ, Ja, Luca. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which he, he's got one season under his belt, but Anthony Edwards is first with 36 points. Luca second, 33 and a half. Then Jordan, which he played for much longer, just a little bit. Not, you know, not much longer than these other just guys, a right? Bit. Yeah. yeah. He averaged 33.4 points. John Moran is at 30 and a half and uh, Jordan Poole is at 30 points. So it's crazy to see that stat and you're like, man, those are uh, five guys, but realistically, it's like all 2021 and 2022. So those numbers will fall. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anthony Edwards will, after game two, drop to out of top five. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Um, so what do you what do you think the Grizzlies do? So I know we broke down a little bit about um, the game and how it went, and I don't know of any key factors that you have, but. Um, what I was looking at is how in the world do they figure out game two? What are the adjustments? Because as we all know, the adjustments will come and hopefully that Taylor Jenkins, you know, adjusts properly and he makes the right, you know, the right call and the right adjustments. Um, but what do you do? Because as we talked about Steven Adams, he's obviously needs to find a role in the series. Like what is his role? How does he best fit? 
But then I know we talked about is team rebounding in general, because if you don't have your main guy who gets a lot of the rebounds, then it has to come from somewhere. And I think in the end, it comes from team rebounding as a whole. Uh, but then shooting. So those are the three factors I had. And I even put those out on uh, Grizz Twitter uh, via Grizzly. But is there what do you see moving forward in the Grizzlies? Is there anything big they need to change or anything that they really just need to do to win game two? Uh, I said it before, like I I just don't know where D'Anthony Melton fits in in the series. Stephen Adams minutes would probably be 17 to 20 minutes if I had to guess. But the Grizzlies were pretty stagnant game one, and that's not typically the Grizzlies. There's always cutting and moving, and when we were making that run in the second quarter with a lineup of Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, Zaire, uh, Brandon Clark was basically the core of that. Uh, I think it was with Bain. There's movement. Movement, defense, the length of Kyle Anderson and Zaire Williams caused turnovers, getting the passing lanes, and then we were able to get out and run in transition. So, to me, they have to get back back to the if this turns into an AAU let's watch jaw try to dribble one-on-one against Patrick Beverly then we'll lose we will lose this series but if we have to get back to length maybe more small ball type length Zaire Kyle Anderson Triple J um, in combo of some sort uh, over just brute force of Steven Adams and um you know, Dylan Brooks, and that's the thing. Dylan Brooks had 24 points, one rebound, one assist. I mean, good God, do anything else. Uh, but I also thought Dylan was surprisingly that he started on D'Angelo Russell. And I'm not saying that's the reason D'Angelo Russell had a bad game, but body-wise, the way Dylan is physical, it made more sense to me that he was guarding Anthony Edwards. So, it just matches up physique wise and Desmond Bain got, I mean, uh, so that put Desmond Bain on Anthony Edwards. He just overpowered Bain. So I I'm curious if they'll do that adjustment defensive assignment wise, but I think you do have to go more small. You're going to yield points to Carl Anthony towns. You just are like, you're going to give up points to him. And I don't think you should worry about that. I think the more involved that Carl Anthony towns is on offense, if he's averages 40 points in this series, I say we win the series uh, because you have to stop everyone else. I'm fine with Carl Anthony Towns getting his numbers. I can't have Anthony Edwards having 36 points, and I can't have Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels combined 38 points. Those cannot happen. Carl Anthony Towns, 40, fine. Great. Yeah. Love it. I don't care. Um, but you have to stop everyone else. And D'Angelo Russell only having 10 points in this game, two for 11, he's obviously going to bounce back. Yeah. Um, so you cannot have the repeat of Beasley McDaniels. <clears throat> and so I think that comes with playing guys with length, like Zaire, Kyle, and Kyle Anderson. Uh, I just don't think there is a series. I just don't think D'Anthony Melton fits this series. I just don't. Um, Steven Adams fits it in spots, but I just think you'll see guys like D'Anthony Melton fall off um, and Zaire get even more minutes, get those minutes. At least I hope. If we don't, then we'll kind of cross our fingers and see. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what direction the Grizzlies go, but I think length is the key to this because um, looking at uh, the Grizzlies as a whole, like they had a total eight offensive rebounds. Okay, four of those came from Brandon Clark. 
if you're looking at this, Steven Adams had an offensive rebound and John Morant had an offensive rebound on his free throw. Like that is the difference. The aggressiveness wasn't exactly there. But then if you look at the defensive rebounding, the Grizzlies had 27 total. And like I said earlier, like 13 of the 27 came from Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson. So as you were talking about earlier with Dylan Brooks, there has to be better team rebounding and there has to be everyone has to pitch in. And yes, Dylan Brooks might be guarding their best player, but he has to still be able to rebound and facilitate the basketball. As you talked about uh, with, with the Grizzlies, kind of just you know more the AAU style basketball is you get it and you go and you make something happen and you try to score. That's really what John Morant was doing. And that's really not the Grizzlies style of basketball that they've been so good at. And I'm, I'm hoping that changes. I'm hoping that Jaws cryptic, um, what is it? Instagram or something, his, his tweet or whatever he put out yes. about Jordan holding the back the MJ. Yes. yes. I love like, that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that it? Okay. How, let's just, let's dabble in that real quick. Is that him being, him showing that, hey, this is me. Like I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Whatever. Or is that him being petty? Like, wh- what direction do you take that that post? I think it's him being ready. Uh, okay, he's ready for game two because obviously they weren't. They just weren't ready for game one. I mean, Minnesota led the game, but for one minute, the entire game, forty-eight yeah. minutes. They led forty-seven minutes of it. <laughs> so. Um, even your I even your think kid thinks that's crazy. I know, right? She's excited <laughs> about it. Um, but I, I just think he's ready. Like, obviously, if he's sitting there watching the last dance, then he's been going to a deep, dark place. Not to do a pun of welcome to the dark, but um, I just, I think he, he even had, what, eight assists, and he wasn't even yeah. looking for people. So, like, to me, this is the jaw game like mm. this is the this is the 40 point 14 assist type game where it was like oh oh yeah that's right <laughs> right you know and everybody's saying that there's better without jaw and all that kind of stuff and i don't know why we punish a guy for being on a good team uh by saying they're better without him uh that shows why you're a two seed so uh yeah, I think he's just ready. He's heard all the noise. He's heard all the talk. Patrick Beverly's not going to stop, and he's ready. And he's been basically incommunicado probably for the past two days and just working himself into a frenzy, which in turn will work everyone else into a frenzy. So expect a, uh onslaught Tuesday. I like it. I like it. Uh, we are going to give you our predictions um, for a lot of different things. One, the gambling aspect, like we always do. Uh, but two, the the aspects on the game, like what our predictions, how this outcome is. I have two things I want to uh, go back to the Timberwolves and focus on them. Two last questions I have and a thought process. And feel free to share uh, whatever you have, if you have something else as well. Uh, but Carl Anthony Towns. I, I was watching him, and as I did, I don't know what podcast. We're doing so many now that they're all kind of running together uh, and just kind of give a shout-out. We are going to have a podcast after every single game. So the next day, there's always going to be an off day. The next day in between the game, the day before, the next game, which you know they're going to be coming up very soon. We have a game Tuesday, right? So then you'll get your episode coming out on Wednesday. 
Uh, and then we have a game Thursday. And so there's a game Saturday. So you'll get your episodes this week, Wednesday and Friday. So make sure you stay tuned to that. But I was given the breakdown of Carl Anthony Towns and how to defend him. The main point is when he catches the ball in the post, what does he not do? He doesn't pass. Okay, that's a given. So you can double on him if you like to. Okay, but also the other thing that he does is when he catches the ball in the post, he puts his head down and tries to go through you and try to score. When he catches the ball on the outside, he tries to shoot right away. So if it's not an immediate shot, he will not shoot the ball. If you close out on him and he's not shot already, he's not shooting the ball. And at that point, he's going to put his head down and go into the lane and try to drive his head into you and his shoulder into you and then throw up some nonsense. So with that being said, and that's really what I found from Carl Anthony Towns game. That's it. That's literally what he does. How do you guard him? And is there anything you would change in that aspect? Is it, is it being kind of like the Timberwolves a little bit and trying to draw those charges? Is, is that how you get him and maybe out of the game? Yeah, that's, I think you have to let him um, get the mid posts, like from the nail ISOs and let him be quote unquote physical, right? Like be physical with him. And like you said, he'll put his head down. He'll do something stupid. Like he's just a weird guy. Yeah. Like he's always looking at the ground after he's doing stuff. Like he's hoping he knows people are watching him. So he'll like look at the ground and then look up and around. Like he's very self-conscious player. And so he will like, I feel the same way about triple J, right? Triple J is just kind Mm. of a weird guy. Like he's just a weird person. If you see him do interviews right after the game, like, he just doesn't look like he completely gets it, right? <laughs> and that's not to say anything bad about Triple J or Carl Anthony Towns. They're both great players, but there is just something missing from both of them where Carl Anthony Towns will just do stupid stuff if he thinks he's being slighted or he's trying to prove a point. So that's why I said earlier, just let Carl Anthony Towns do what he wants. And if he goes for 40, God bless him. Um, <clears throat> but he will do something dumb. He will foul. He will put his head down and run over somebody. He will for like, he'll stiff arm somebody Bo Jackson style. Like he just does it. And so the more he has the ball to me, I get it's a mismatch, but the more he has the ball to me, the better it is for the Grizzlies. Um, It's getting everyone else out of rhythm. It keeps the ball out of Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell's hand. So I want more Carl Anthony Towns one-on-one post ISOs. Um, I, I just want more of that because eventually he's going to break, right? Like he played like 42 minutes or 43 minutes or something like this in this game. Um, so at some point he's going to mentally break down and do something stupid. So that's yeah. just what Carl Anthony Towns does. Well, that's what I was looking at the game and the minutes. Okay. So uh, nobody else on their team played over 30 minutes, but the, I'm sorry, Malik Bleasley did play 30 minutes. I apologize. Um, I didn't see him at the very bottom of the box score, but uh, looking at this team, you had two guys that played over 40 minutes, 40 and 43 minutes. And I think I sent a message to you or maybe it was that on Twitter somewhere that uh, they were putting out two guys that were playing over 40 minutes. And we had Dylan Brooks and John Morant playing 35 minutes. I feel like this game was a game they were going all in for it. Like they smelled blood. They knew they had a chance to win one. They were going to hurry up and grab this one. If they had to play 50 minutes, who cares? They were winning this game. They had two days off. 
They're going to come Tuesday, take their L, and go back home with a chance to win two games, you know, at home and go up 3-1 in the series. Like, I feel like that was their thought process in this game. And so I, I'm curious how that plays out. I know these series are a little bit longer. They're all on TV, so you have longer timeouts. You're able to get more minutes in. Even though it looks like 40 minutes, it actually is probably closer to the 35-minute mark because you get more rest in between. Uh, but just looking at that, I, I think that is uh, key, something key to watch because that's a lot of minutes, especially in the first game of a series. Um, but I do, I do think that Carlisle Towns, uh, I'm down with you on that with let him cook. If he wants to get hot, so be it, right? I don't think he can actually beat the Grizzlies himself. The other guy I think can is Anthony Edwards. And everybody was saying that Anthony Edwards like just played amazing. He played 36, you know, 36 points, 40 minutes. He only shot four of 11 from deep. And I know I say only, okay, that's still a good number. But four of 11 isn't like smoking hot. That it's, it's a decent game, decent shooting game. Four three-pointers is, is a decent game. We've seen that out of DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain. Like Desmond Bain went three of eight. If you give him three more shots, I, I would imagine Desmond Bain goes four of 11. And Desmond Bain went six of 15 from the field goal. The biggest thing is 12 of 23 for Anthony Edwards. I feel like he just does so much, and I feel like he can do those stats. I think he can do it again. And that's what's scary to me out of everything else is that Anthony Edwards only going 4 of 11 from deep, 12 of 23 overall. 12 of 23 is very, very good, right? But I think that he can actually do that again. How do you stop him? Like, is it just Dylan Brooks? You just match him one-on-one when he goes out? Dylan goes out. Is that is it that simple? I mean, you take away the threes, he's eight for 12, you know, inside the three-point line. Exactly. So That's still good. He was, he, he was just fantastic. He was getting whatever he wanted. And I think it's just the physicality of it. I just don't think Desmond Bain is big enough. Now, his arms are big enough, but <clears throat> he doesn't have the height. And this is where Kyle, uh, Kyle Anderson and Zaire Williams are going to be big in the series, I think. Because I completely agree with you. This was their game one kind of Super Bowl. And so this is why I think Grizzlies blow out in game two is Chris Finch knows he can't play Carl Anthony Towns 43 minutes a game in what looks like to be a six or seven game series. He can't do it. Anthony Edwards, 40 minutes in a six or seven game series. They'll be done by game five. They'll be cooked. So I think that's why not necessarily that they're not being competitive, but I could see them saving Carl Anthony Towns. They got the one in Memphis that they wanted. Now they're going to just throw game two away. And you're going to see more minutes from Nasri, Jordan McLaughlin, like Torian Prince is going to play more. That's what I think you're going to see game two. And ultimately why the Grizzlies blow them out is because of the gamesmanship and the game theory from Chris Finch. I got one in Memphis. Now let's rest Cat and Anthony Edwards. But it's, that's the thing. Like, if they're going to win this series, they'll have to win four games where they're playing 43 to 40-plus 40 minutes for those guys. Yeah. Or they get a lot of production from somewhere else, like Mike Malik Beasley or Jaden McDaniels. So I, that's why I ultimately think the Grizzlies win this series. They just have more to go to. They didn't burn up everybody in game one trying to win one, which Minnesota did. And everybody should buckle in for a long series. Yeah, 411 from three is pretty good percentage wise, but eight for 12 within the three point line, you just can't have that. And I think that's just the size and the physicality of Desmond Bain. He's just not big enough. 
So you got to go with Dylan Brooks or you got to put more in length on him like Kyle Anderson and Zaire. So I think that's the adjustment they'll make. That's what I'm curious to see. All right. I'm going to have you go and just make this as quick as possible. It's very much uh, as simple as over under on these lines. And I know these are still early, but there are some lines out on these players. And I kind of want to just go over them and just kind of get your idea and your thoughts on these. And so we're not going to hold you to them. I'm just going to get your predictions on what you think and how this game plays out. And we're going to start off with the first guy, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. And these are all points right here. Uh, over under 24 and a half. I would say over. Okay. Anthony Edwards, 24 and a half. I'll say under. Oh, wow. All right. D'Angelo Russell. I think he has a, I think Anthony Ant has a big regression game. Okay. I like it. Um, and uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, he was my big uh, two unit lot first game, 18 and a half points. Uh, what do you think? Over, under? I'd say over on this one. Yeah. I, I think he has a bounce back game here. Uh, all right, let's get out of the uh, the other guys that are the um, subs or the, you know, whatever. The Patrick Beverly's of the world. Who cares? He can score 10 points. Who cares? <laughs> I don't trust him one way or the other. Uh, John Morant, 29 and a half points. Over, under? Over. Slam. Over. All right, let's slam. Sprinkle some on 40. Over. Woo! Um, all right, let's go through our guys. Uh, Dylan Brooks, 21 and a half. I'm going to say under on that okay. one. Okay. Desmond Bain, 18 and a half. I'll go over on that one. Wow. Okay. I didn't expect that one. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., 14 and a half. I'm going under on that one. All right. Steven Adams, six and a half. Under. <laughs> Just six and a half points. I, I think I'm going to go under on that one, too, as well. Now at 11 and a half rebounds for Steven Adams on there. 11 and a half. We, we both hit it, I believe. I know I did. I hit it at 10 and a half. I went under 10 and a yes. half. But it's at 11 and a half now. Under? Yeah, smash under. <laughs> it's minus 134, so I'm hoping that line figures itself out. But I went ahead and saw 10 and a half. I don't think there's any way he gets 10 rebounds. I think he will play better, but I don't think he gets 10 rebounds uh, this game. I don't think he's going to be in enough minutes. 20 minutes, 10 rebounds, that's going to be not tough to do because he does it. But I just think that the way this game plays out, I don't think it's the same. Uh, some other guys yeah. I'm looking at is Carl Anthony Towns over under nine and a half rebounds under because i think he's not going to play as much oh wow. i think he's going to score but the grizzlies are going to score better so those i mean that's the disparity in the rebounds right that's why the timberwolves i'll read about it us we shot poorly <laughs> yeah so i think with colleen towns reduced to minutes now this is all strategic like if chris Pint, like chris finch is throwing this game away i think colleen towns will get the points I just don't think he'll get all the rebounds because the Grizzlies will play better and actually put the ball in the basket. Brandon Clark, these lines are not out yet. Um, if you have a chance to hit Brandon Clark double-double at, let's say it's plus 250, are you hitting that? Um, I would probably not because it's just 250. Okay. I would prefer it to be 5-1 to one, Okay. Um, to throw something on that. Because right. I just don't think it's like did he he had a double double game one right he did and he's had four of his best games of the entire season was against them <laughs> even in the blowout yeah. he still played well uh, so now this is five so yeah. uh, I'm definitely trending and something to watch on him and is right I guess thirty uh, about an hour thirty minutes to an hour before like, the game comes out and these playoff games 
Uh, they're giving the lines out a little bit earlier. I think I saw them game one um, a few hours in advance, but sometimes it's two hours, an hour in advance before a lot of the uh, the people that are on the bench that are coming off the bench are playing. But I can expect Brandon to play 25 to 30 minutes in this game. Uh, I think he's earned it, and I think he's going to take the minutes away from Steven Adams uh, as well as you know Kyle Anderson, like you said. So I would say he's one of the guys that I'm looking at is, is getting after Brandon Clark. If he's at 10 points, which I think he'll be at probably 10 and a half, 11 and a half, that's iffy. But his rebound is what I hit on the first game, and it was at four and a half. And Kyle Anderson was at four and a half as well. I hit both of their rebounding numbers. Uh, they're both rebounding, going to have at least five rebounds. Okay, so I'd imagine their numbers are going to go up over five and a half on rebounds. Uh, do you like those numbers on those two? If they were there. Yeah, I like both of those. Okay. Yeah. If they're there, it's worth it. I think sprinkle on it. All right. Last one I have is blocks. And we'll get out of here. Blocks. We have Jaron Jackson Jr. Two and a half blocks over under. It's at plus 100 for over and minus 130 for the under. I, I would take the over. Okay. I think, I think he's just going to have a bounce back game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did have seven blocks that first game. So <laughs> I, I would imagine he's going to do something close to three. So I've definitely you would, uh, t- you would assume. Yeah, I've touched that already. All right. Well, that's all we have. Make sure you go check out our last podcast. Um, just kind of giving you a heads up. We we did one uh, where Ryan did a preview of game one. You can go back and listen of how we think the he thought the game one would go out. But mainly I want to go back to the first, let's say, five minutes of the episode. Um, I had an article that came out. Um, I can't even remember what the title is anymore, uh, but you can go find it on the lead sm.com. Uh, but mainly it was um, the gist of the whole article. The reason I wrote it was um, to answer the question of who is Memphis. And I think uh, it really kind of entails and pulls in a lot of what this city is and who we are and why we are the way we are. Um, and I think it uh, goes and plays off of right away on the, the Elvis billboards, such as Stephen Adams, uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen A. Smith said, who are we? Are we those? Are we John Morant? Are we basketball? And so I answer those questions. And I think it's a really good read. It's a quick read. Uh, 517 words, people. Not much. But I have some of our best videos from the Grizzlies <laughs> as well as other people. Uh, we even get into the whoop that trick. So uh, go check that out. It's the last podcast. It was, it was cool. <laughs> Yeah, your article was more like a post-it note or a pamphlet more than an actual article. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't long. I, uh, the, re- the reason it was so short, it was supposed to be a two-part series where I introduced, like, who is Memphis? Like, who are these Grizzlies? Like, what is the city? Like, you know, playoff basketball is really what the Grizzlies uh, kind of have become. Like, we've become the Grizzlies. Like, we've become, you know, even though we were always basketball, I think we're becoming more of who the Grizzlies really are. Um, and I was going to do a two-part where that and then, you know, break down how they've gotten there and the game. And Nathan, who is the other guy, one of the other guys that writes for Grizz Lead, he wrote about it. And so we were going to do them, combine them together, make it all look fancy. And then as we got down to the very end, they didn't mesh as well as we thought. So I put mine out by itself and we put his out by itself as standalone pieces. And so that's why it was so short. Plus, I'm not a writer, people. Come on. Uh, you can tell. Look at look at my words. They're not big. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that's all we have. Butts and oars. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those. A lot of those. Not big words. All right. That's all we have. We've had a, a great week. 
this this uh, past week. A great weekend. It was Easter weekend. A lot of time with family and friends. Uh, let's have a great week this week. When you hear us Wednesday, we're going to be talking about how the Grizzlies won and that quick turnaround. The Grizzlies play Tuesday. Have a quick turnaround with travel going back to the Timberwolves. They play Thursday at 6.30 on TNT. It's going to be a great game. So I hope this next game is a win. It might just be there. You never know. All right. Let's have a great one. Be nice. Tell your friends.